I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Coming up on today's edition of the Chase Summons Podcast, full ride Matt Green because it is a Wednesday and you know what that means. College football here on the Chase Summons Podcast. Dylan Raiola, five-star quarterback to Georgia. Uh, where Georgia is on the recruiting front, how it uh, affects Tennessee and what they're doing and what that rivalry looks like going forward. Uh, The Pac-12 looking to add San Diego State, SMU, what's going on with the ACC this week, could they crumble, and then some early Auburn and Texan in thoughts, who bounces back next season, because one of them is not going 5-7, and one of them's going to have a good year, and we try and parse out who that is. All that and more coming up on today's edition of The Chase. Thomas podcast. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from everything school, HQ, lady softball, SEC champions. Postseason play is here for the Tennessee rowing team. Tennessee is a two out of three series victory for the men's baseball team in Columbia against South Carolina from potentially hosting a regional as their postseason uh, is just they are going to be playing postseason baseball. No one wants to play the Tennessee Volunteers when they're right. And with the cornucopia of talent on that team. Everything's coming up. Uh, Tennessee basketball preseason top 10 team after what they did in the portal. And then Tennessee football, where you just look ahead and you're everywhere you look, you're like, oh, breakout candidate. Oh, Joe Milton. No, breakout wide receiver candidate. Squirrel white. Oh, uh, who's the sneaky team to watch in the in the SEC going into next year? Who is it? Nine and a half wins. Can they go 10 back to back? All this buzz, buzz, buzz around everything orange and white here on rocky top and yet we have some georgia stuff we have to talk about on this very program and to do just that and all things college football fellow university of north georgia alumni matt green is here matt good evening sir how are you 
Good evening, sir. It is uh, it is good to be back. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Tennessee, you know, but I've come to expect it from you uh, to start these pods. But uh, I'm at least digging your colors here on the YouTube uh, channel. A little little toned down with the orange. I'm, I'm a big fan of the the black, the orange accent. I'm more on board with that. So you like the change. You like the new look and that we got your name right there for the good folks on oh, yeah. youtube.com slash Chase Thomas podcast. I mean, we're nearing a thousand subscribers here, Matt Green. So we're we're getting bigger and bigger each and every day. We got to got to keep up with the graphics. I this is uh, this like is good I, stuff. Any minimalizing of the orange is like <laughs> I don't know. I kid you not. Like it's 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 literally it's like a religion to me. Like Hindus. What is it? Hindus have like they don't eat beef. Is that right? Is that the don't cows are, like sacred or whatever? It's legit. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna wear anything orange. Like it, I'm, I don't, ha- I don't own anything orange. Like it's not gonna happen. It's just, mm. yeah. My my little niece, so we were playing with uh, crayons and, and stuff, like coloring, and I was just hand me the orange. I was like, no, Uncle Matt doesn't like orange. And then it's become a whole joke. But yeah, so she knows orange. Orange isn't my thing. She's gonna have a weird association with orange one day. Hey, that's yeah. that's. That's what, as she should. She should grow to hate it, like uh, all all Georgia fans do. It's weird too. I was thinking about this. With, speaking of things, when you're younger, you don't think about, or you'll just years later, you're like, why do I have an opinion on that, or why do I have this weird, like, uh, whatever that might be about any particular thing, like any food, color, whatever. Uh, you know me as a uh, Aquaman, uh, Matt Green, since the injury last fall with uh, the daily swimming uh, aerobics that I'm doing. And I was in the pool today and uh, the salt, I switched over to a salt pool uh, for my laps. And let me tell you, once you go salt, you never go back. It's salt life from here on out, Matt Green, <laughs> because when you start swimming laps in a salt pool, it feels so much better. You don't smell like chlorine. It just is a better all around you're gonna get a You can get a bumper sticker, salt life. You gotta, you gotta live the life. People misunderstand because I don't like the beach. It's not that kind of salt. I want salt <laughs> in my in my pool, in my indoor heated pool. That's what I want. And I'm doing laps uh, after work today. And they're like kids on this other side getting swimming lessons, right? And I thought as I was going back and forth, I don't have any recollection whatsoever on swimming. Practicing swimming lessons, I assume my parents, I, I learned how to swim. So clearly I had some sort of uh do you remember any swimming lessons for you when you were a kid do you have any recollection of that because i have no recollection of any kind of swim practice whatsoever no i never did i just wore the floaties at a certain age and then at some point you know you kind of figured out what you're doing you didn't need to wear the floaties you know so there's yeah you know you just kind of you kicked you figured it out you know probably i'm probably not the best swimmer so i, I don't have like the best form or anything but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sink so you do a mile right now accomplish. you have to do a mile swim in a lake could you do it um without stopping. i honestly have no like i have no concept of what swimming a mile is even like i assume <laughs> i couldn't do it but i honestly i have no idea how long i've never even tried to swim for distance so i don't even have a reference like well what i'll tell you i probably couldn't like, run for like a mile straight like just without stopping a straight mile like run you think you could run non-stop for what, what was that eight minutes or so how, how long does it take you to run a mile are you talking Ten about pre-injury minutes? or current uh chase Courage, uh, pre-injury. Pre-injury was like seven ten, a little under seven. You're running seven minute miles. Yeah. Okay, I see you. I'm, I'm, I'm. I could run a pace for a seven minute mile, I bet, but I don't mm. think I could keep up the pace for like four laps. So you know what's funny too about that is Tennessee. 
back when I was still uh, a young graduate student here on the campus of Knoxville, Tennessee, Matt Green, they have, you're obviously allowed to use the facilities and they have the, uh, the Tennessee track. And I don't know if you've ever run on like those super bouncy, like just unbelievable tracks where you fly. It feels like you're flying. So I did one run a couple years ago, a couple summers ago, actually, and I timed it. It was in the low, it, it was six something, but it, it, it was bonkers. What I actually cleared where I was moving and you don't realize how quickly you're moving. So I think there's like, it depends on what you run on, where you run. Cause it's different if you're running hills and Knoxville's pretty hilly. So am I doing a mile around downtown? Am I doing a mile at the park? Am I doing a mile on that bouncy uh, track for uh, the university of Tennessee where it like, it like cuts 30 seconds because I move faster. Um, I don't know. Non aided. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I will say the, the last thing I'll say about the swimming thing, if you were to do it now, one of the things I would tell you that will blow your mind. And I didn't expect this cause I wasn't a swimmer before I started doing all this was that my legs were gassed. Like my quads and hammies were gassed. And I didn't understand like that. That was something that could just die out as you're running because it doesn't or as you're swimming because it doesn't feel like you're actually moving them that hard or that you're actually working those muscle groups that yeah. much when you're swimming back and forth in the in the laps but like you get out and you're like i don't i need a wheelchair like you have full paul pierce uh, in the finals where you're <laughs> like i need to be wheeled out of here because i have nothing left you gotta go to the bathroom uh, not that kind of uh, situation <laughs> but you do want to sit down and not walk because you're your, uh, I believe it. It's your whole body. Yeah, I've, I've never been a. I've never been a, like a le- legit swimmer like that. It's a good workout, Matt Green. It's what we do. We're in our thirties. We have it. to adjust. Yeah, fair enough. We have to adjust. And Matt Green, now the Mister, you're just like Doctor Doolittle over here with the dogs that you have coming in here each and every. Week. Did the Rottweiler get a get a home? He he did. He he good. found a home. So that was that was nice. We've gotten a few uh, pictures of him. Uh, playing some tug of war with a, a great dane and then this, okay. this people have like a, a third dog too so yeah i think they they changed his name to baloo so uh it's a quality name but baloo is in not, not as in buck baloo but is oh. in uh like jungle book baloo like what is it you know what i'm saying the bear i do know uh, yeah so what's his name baloo? rottweilers yeah. common to name rottweilers after bears or just name hmm. them straight up bear because they kind of look like black bears you know Hmm. There you go. Zeus and I guess Zeus and Maddox wouldn't be sad because they were kind but of. Yeah. Then, yeah. But then the neighbor, the neighbors, yeah, found another dog as well. So I was like, they're, they're old, so they don't have Facebook and stuff. So I just, I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll post something, you know, but having a, I think they're going to keep it though, honestly. I haven't, haven't really heard anything about it, but yeah, it's like a little small dog. There you go. Well, Matt Green, uh, it is taping this on a Tuesday night. And what that means is we're a few days now removed from Dylan Riola. Is that what we learned is the pronunciation? Riola? Yeah, I think that's the pronunciation I've heard. So that's what I'm going with. I've I've said Rayola in my mind a bunch of times. But yeah, Riola is what I was what I was told. I saw on a message board somewhere, almost like a PSA. Like, hey, just everybody knows it's Riola. So. ESPN ABC football announcers are already shaking at Nico Iamaliava versus Dylan Riola in two years and having to go back and forth on on those pronunciations. Hey, I'm I'm still 
uh, if if DJ Uyunglele never pans out, I'm mm. gonna be bitter because I learned how to say that name, and that was not that was not easy. And we haven't we haven't really needed to say it because he just hasn't really been a factor in college football. But might be good at Oregon State though this year. He might be. He's a sleeper for sure. But yeah, I have a. I'm gonna have to teach myself uh, on Nico. Nico, it's a solid first name though. So uh, Tua, Nico, I think that that's probably the the, the workaround there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we don't, we could talk Nico if you want to, you want to talk about Nico Iamaliava all, all you want, because I think the big news is about Dylan Riola for sure. Mm. So Dylan Riola, five-star quarterback, number one in his class, number one overall, uh, in multiple services, they follow what Tennessee did last year and getting the number one overall player uh, in the 2022 <laughs> recruiting cycle with Nico Iamaliava. Um, and then number two in 2023-24 here with Dylan Riola choosing the dogs. Um, so back-to-back SEC East teams landing the number one overall player here. They don't get Arch. They go all in on Arch Manning last year, that being the dogs. And then they come back here, and it feels like forever ago, you get Ryan, what is it, Puglisi? Pug, what is Puglisi, it? yeah. Yeah, the Northeastern kid who's a four-star. Top 10 player. It's not like he's a... Uh, anything uh, or top overlook. 10 quarterback but yeah I think he's yeah I think he's like the sixth or seventh ranked quarterback I'll have to look at that and he's um, he's sticking around he's not uh, shaken from the competition right out of the gate there but then you add Dylan Raiola um, where it looked like it was going to come down to either Nebraska uh, obviously with the family connections or Georgia and then there was some USC buzz if he stayed on the west coast um, that obviously always being in play there but um matt green what uh what does this mean for georgia what does this mean for the quarterback room going forward and how does this change the calculus because you and i have been talking about this back and forth about what georgia landing a true number one game changer bryce young nico yamaliava type prospect to an already loaded <laughs> we throw a nico in there with bryce young yeah i mean nico the is right greats like deshaun watson no i'm Trevor saying all-time great nico well no what i'm saying is like the five-star number one overall player in its class yeah. like just the the pedigree like the expectation that you're going to be a heisman type quarterback and future number one overall pick or top 10 pick whatever that uh case may be that we haven't seen at georgia really because he you can't really throw fields in there because we didn't see it. You can't really like it's Stafford. Like this is the biggest signing or not signing. Cause he hasn't signed yet. This is the biggest commitment since Matthew Stafford. Right. Well, I think Justin Fields is definitely massive because like, that's obviously what was supposed to happen with Justin Fields. Like if you look at his Ohio state career and what he is now in the NFL, he was the number one or number two overall player. So Justin Fields is definitely up there, but obviously it didn't work out. So yeah, I mean, getting Rayola, Rayola is just massive because, like, that's basically the one thing that Kirby is quote unquote missing. Like, that's like kind of the one narrative out there of like what Georgia hasn't hasn't done is, yeah, but their it's their their offense isn't fun for a quarterback and a wide receiver, so that that's why they haven't necessarily gotten the the legit five star receivers in recent classes, but. You land a guy like Dylan Raiola, and even after, especially after Todd Monken goes to the NFL, like this is Mike Bobo is a huge part of this. Like I thought that was pretty telling, like back in like December or even November, where he was saying like 
he already knew what the plan was at Georgia. When Todd Monken was going, like he knew that the replacement was already on staff. So just the the level of connection he's had with Georgia staff to 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 know kind of what the for their future offensive coordinator plans are. And according to Rusty Mansell, it's like he's already been recruiting for Georgia for months. But I think that's why it's so massive because you look at Georgia the last two classes, they've signed 15 top 50 players in the last two classes combined. 13 of those were on defense and the other two were offensive linemen. It's like, that's what Georgia is. They're, they're dominant in the trenches, offensive and defense side of the ball. And then we know they're just getting elite players after elite players on defense. So the only thing that's been missing is like that truly elite quarterback and the elite weapons at wide receiver. Like George Pickens was a elite wide receiver, but you know, with, just kind of the timing of his career of like probably Fromm's he, he was a freshman in Fromm's last year. And then the, the bad quarterback play in 2020, and then he was hurt in 2021. You never actually got to see him be elite for Georgia, but he was that guy. So it's not like Georgia hasn't recruited big time wide receiver. Nicole Hardman was a five-star like Terry Godwin may have been a five-star by some people like a very highly ranked receiver, but you haven't seen that guy that's been a first rounder. You know, Pickens, what I think would have been that it had he been healthy and everything, but get it to so you've seen, you know, Jacob Eason and Justin Fields come to Georgia and, and JT Daniels, another five star that like haven't played, but it's also like it hasn't been, they have been missing something at quarterback in a couple years, but for the most part, Georgia's gotten good quarterback play. So it's like they haven't necessarily been missing out, you know, at the quarterback position, but. What they haven't had is that true just difference maker that's going to elevate everybody else. And that's what Riola has the potential to be. It's like you could talk about like, oh, what does this do to the quarterback room and that sort of thing? But I don't really think it matters because you just look at what Georgia's established now. It's like, I don't want to jump the gun and say they're the new Alabama. You know, like everybody is saying that. And they obviously appear to be like the dominant program coming up in college football. So, but I, so that's what they are. And so I think you, you can justify like, Hey, I might could wait two or three years going there and, and get a chance to play and be the guy at that school. That's number one. So I think if Riola comes in, like, I think what complicates things, you know, maybe if Beck doesn't have like a great year and, and then he is back in 2024, and then you got like all four of those, like s- something's got to give, and there's going to be some sort of, you know, transfers and stuff in that room. But I don't. I think you just got to get the guys on campus and, and see what happens from there. Yeah, I mean, if Beck doesn't work out, he's out. Um, he's somewhere else, and he's probably playing at SMU or something and lighting it up and doing that sort of thing, doing the JT Daniels type deal. But I just look at it, and look, it's going to happen. Uh, obviously, it's funny to me when I see people. Uh, and look, maybe it just there is a difference between having the best class, a, a great class, and the best class in Georgia history because you bring in Dylan, right? where they're on pace and we'll see how things stand. They're going to need to do some flipping potentially like with uh, Jeremiah Smith from Ohio state. Like you're probably going to need to flip him. Mike Matthews, all the reporting there is that he's not staying in Georgia, um, that he's probably going to end up at USC or Tennessee. Uh, one of the two there is what that looks like. And then Jaden Riddell, uh, a big battle between Tennessee and Georgia. So when you uh, listen to the reports, it seems like it's going to come down to those two. And, uh who he picks uh there but 
Ryan Wingo, obviously, uh, in a good spot for them. Um, they're obviously loaded in the running back room. They're loaded in the secondary with Bolden and company. Sammy Brown talked about it. And like I think he said, I was reading the AJC Dog Nation quote from him, the five-star linebacker out of, uh, what, Jefferson, uh, who's yeah. probably ended up at Georgia or Clemson. Uh, he's, like, he sees himself as the quarterback of the defense as the linebacker, which is by and large true. And then like that would be cool to compete with uh, some a quarterback like uh, Dylan Raiola in practice, um, just the two iron sharp and iron type deal. So it's obviously a big get. And it, you spoke to something that I think is actually kind of interesting too, which is that Bobo was a great recruiter at Georgia. And that's something that was overlooked. Like I have questions about what he's going to be like 10 years from being an elite, putting together elite offenses at Georgia. Like I have questions because we joke about like the Auburn, South Carolina and Colorado state stuff, but like, it is fair to wonder, like Colorado State now they had, they put up some numbers offensively though. Not down the they stretch, had, not at they the had end. Some receivers that were putting up some huge seasons though. Yeah, for sure. But by and large, we have not seen elite offensive play caller Mike Bobo in a while. That does not mean that the man forgot how to recruit and that the man does not have cash on the recruiting trail. And it's kind of different than what Todd Monken had, where Todd Monken's in it was in the NFL for a while. Todd Monken always had these NFL connections. The appeal f- to play for Todd Monken was like, he might get you the league. We're going to revamp this offense, like just a different kind of different kind of mind um, in Athens and more of an NFL kind of mind. Bobo is all college all the time. You could see him just recruiting really well. And obviously Stafford, Aaron Murray, you forget it's a five-star. Like he had a lot of success bringing in top tier quarterback talent uh, in Athens. And that was something that you did not, even if you had questions about what Georgia's, and when you say questions, it's like, do they, could there, could they go to number nine in offense and scoring offense next year with Bobo? Could they go to eight? And what does that mean? If they're at eight, are they a little bit more vulnerable? If there's some a little bit of a drop off, whatever, because they're not going to fall off a cliff. There's just no path for for something like that to happen. The James Coley era is long. So long you're saying, gone. are you saying ninth or the eighth or ranked ninth, eighth or ninth ranked offense is bad? No, I'm saying like that's like the floor. That's like the floor for even Bobo. That's struggling. like 40 points a game. Like yeah. So I, like that's what I'm saying. If George's well, averaging 40 points a game, I think they're going undefeated. Well, if Bobo's not like, it's going to be one of those things where it's like. They don't like, I think Graham Coffey made this good point, where Todd Monken was elite at pressing the right buttons late. And he was elite in those important moments. And like what Todd Monken did um, in the Ohio State game and like some of the stuff that he was calling and some of the, like there's just something that in the biggest of big moments, that's where it shows up is what Todd Monken was able to do, uh, carving up certain defenses. And like, we'll see if Bobo is able to press the same buttons because you can make the case that Todd Monken it's one of the two best offensive coordinators in the sport in the last two years. And no, I think that's definitely true. Like with, with Todd Monken, who was, he was an elite offensive coordinator, but I, I just, I don't think Bobo ever got the credit initially that he deserved. And it's like Mike Bobo should be a beloved figure in, in Georgia football history, right? Like this guy played, he started at quarterback for a couple years at Georgia, like wasn't great years or anything, had an iconic win over a Spurrier team. Then he was a, a a Broyles Award finalist as a as an assistant coach at Georgia, as a, a, a assistant coach for 10, 15 years or so at the University of Georgia. So, like, this guy should be a beloved figure. And I think Kirby Smart is like 
basically going to like revitalize the, the way Mike Bobo is perceived from University of Georgia fans, honestly. Because you just look, Georgia's a di- completely different program now than they were like when when Bobo was here the first time. Like obviously they had plenty of talent on offense. He had Stafford and Noshawn, AJ Green and and the teams with Murray and and Todd Gurley, and Keith Marshall. Like they had all kinds of weapons. But you look at the the Mark Richt era. Georgia signed, and obviously some of this is on offense, some of this on, or some of this on offense and defense. So it's just a, a, a cumulative. But it just speaks to the level of talent that Georgia currently has compared to what they used to have. In 15 years under Mark Rick, Georgia signed 27 five stars. In eight years under Kirby Smart, they've signed 36 five stars. Half the time and almost 10 more five stars. They got three committed already in 2024, and they have four committed in 2025. Like I just saw a graphic that five of the top eight players committed anywhere in the 2025 class are committed to Georgia. Like it's just it's absurd what they just the level of talent that Georgia has at this point. And when you like the biggest thing that Mark Rick's teams didn't have was the elite offensive line play. Like there was what the year like 2011, where they love to show the stat, almost like the Jake from the league world series stat, uh, stat that they had the biggest offensive line in all of football. Like their average weight was bigger than any NFL team. They were like average, like three thirty or something across the board. It's like, cool, we're playing in the Capital One Bowl. So that doesn't mean that much. Like, yeah, we have a really heavy offensive line. But I don't think Georgia... In 2020, Tennessee only started five five stars in the offensive line. Yeah, and that's a that's a fun fact for you. But, but here's the like, thing, the offense still sucked. Yeah, I mean, the actual talent is what matters. So mm. you just look at what they were. I, I don't think uh, Georgia had one first-round pick at offensive line the entire time Mark Richt was the head coach. Like, that seems almost impossible. Like, you'll just luck out and somebody... You'll just luck into a first-round pick at some point. Like, you've already seen... Georgia's had, what, four or five first-round picks since Kirby got there. I know Isaiah Wynn, Andrew, Andrew Thomas. Thomas, Isaiah Wilson, Roderick Jones in this last class, at least four. Mm. So it's just the offensive line is at a whole other level. Like the the running backs might not be at the Todd Gurley, no Sean level, but they're good enough. The receivers are better than they've ever been collectively at like top to bottom they've been. The tight end is the best it's ever been in school history. So it's the offense is just absolutely loaded and and Bobo is a good play caller and with the talent we have offensively like I just I don't think I don't I, even if he did a even if he wasn't the best guy for the job like I I don't I don't think there's many people that could screw this up to be honest. I think it's just one of those things too. It's not like I'm salivating over Tommy Reese versus Josh Heupel. Like I really am come this fall. Like I'm I'm excited for what that battle uh, looks like and just what that could mean for Tennessee like um, but Georgia was just Todd Monk and you can make the case was better than Heupel uh, even as an offensive mind I think Heupel is a better offensive mind than Mike Bobo so I am curious because Mike Bobo will have more talent than he's ever had in Athens uh, if there is uh, what that Tennessee game looks like in Neyland this fall and what Bobo brings to the table and uh, how much of the Georgia offense changes? Like, that's the other thing is like, there's now the Georgia offense, right? That's what I hear from all the Georgia folks who are well more connected than me is that there is now a plan. Like, this is the offense. And you hear that too with Saban. I just don't believe it the same where it's like, this is the, he's going to be running the Saban offense. I'm like, no, like you were not going to hire Ryan Grubb um, from Washington and what they were running and then go to Tommy Reese and be like, 
they were going to come in and run the same thing Nick Saban wanted to do and like run the Saban offense. No, it means you were trying to find somebody to run this offense because you didn't think you'd have to replace Bill O'Brien and you were like, whatever you want to do. Like, it's just, I don't buy that. I do think that it's going to be hard outside of the tape grinders to tell the difference between what Georgia's offense looks like most weeks this fall versus what we've seen the last couple of years. I think it shows up in the big games and I think it shows up against Tennessee. I think it shows up against, and we'll see if it's better because there's a possibility too. You have to like, that's a possibility that it is better um, than what we've seen before. Cause Carson Beck is more talented um, than Stetson. And there is a possibility that he is better uh, than Stetson altogether. There's a possibility that he sucks out of the gate and there's like a Dewan Mathis type situation. And then, uh, Brock Vandergriff comes in and he's a Heisman type guy uh, right out of the gate. And then he's better uh, than any of these guys. So there's all kinds of possibilities there for this Georgia offense. And I'm just very curious to see how it all looks like. I am excited to see what this all means, but Georgia fans, and this is something that you and I have argued about back and forth with Matt Green. And this is something that, because it's not like we're arguing, like we're not getting mad about it. It's just, I think it's, I will roll my eyes when I see stuff on Twitter when it comes to the Georgia stuff, um, some of it. And it's just Dylan Raiola could be a great quarterback. He could be a great Georgia quarterback. First round, he could have a Bryce Young two years in Athens. Here's the thing. You're not going to get it. It's just going to be very hard pressed to have a better season than what Stetson did last year with this Georgia offense. And when I think about like being nervous about playing Georgia, and Tennessee and what keeps Josh Heupel and this Tennessee staff up late thinking about the dogs and how they can beat the dogs and get over that hump. What they're not thinking about is the quarterback play. They were not worried about Bryce Young. They were worried about Will Anderson. They were worried about Dallas Turner. They were worried about what Alabama's Trent, what Alabama did in the trenches. That's where things change. When JJ Crawford's out here throwing up and using it as motivation against uh, the Alabama defensive line, you're like, Oh, they're they're in this. Like they can they can handle this. They they have a shot. What separates Georgia from everybody else, and what keeps Kurt or what keeps the hype bulls of the world up at night, is not the quarterback play. It's not that. It's the five stars on the edge. It's the Samuel and Pimbas. It's the dudes, the Jalen Carters, the Trayvon Walkers. It's guys like that. When you have John Campbell, a three star now four star transfer from Miami at left tackle. You have potentially Gerald Mincy, three-star right uh, offensive tackle transfer from Florida and those spots. And you're getting okay guys there. You have some, like, there's some okay guys. Like, you're developing pretty well. Glenn Ellerby's a good offensive line coach. But you don't have the five-star offensive lineman right now. And that's not really what's happening. There aren't a lot of them. That's something that a lot of people miss. Like, you go through the rankings. There aren't a lot of five-star offensive tackles out there. Very few, actually. So, it's they're really, really hard to get. And most of them don't live and grow up in the state of Tennessee like Trey Smith. So that is what keeps them up. That is what we're worried about is like Georgia having those guys year over year. Cause like, can they, is there going to be a way for that defensive line and what, and even the linebacker room, it's just really the front seven. Is there a path to Tennessee getting over that hump for four quarters with what Georgia is throwing at them? at with their front seven like that is the big thing like there are gaps in the secondary keely ringo um has had some really bad games against georgia like they've had five star secondaries we can go back i pulled it up a couple weeks ago keely ringo was bad in both tennessee games um you can go back through it they have been burned last year's tennessee game yeah we went up he had like a 60 he had a 60 pff grade 
He only had yeah, one. Yeah, fine. I don't know he gave up a, a reception on every other play outside of that one pick. Like that's what people remember, but it's like that's not not what's happening. He was getting flagged. I just don't remember Tennessee's and, offense doing very much. So I'm, I'm not disagreeing. What I am saying is well. Keely Ringo specifically was not good in that game. What I'm also saying is that's not the nervousness. Like Tennessee is putting dudes in the NFL year over year, most amount of wide receivers in the NFL the last four to five years. So that is going to be a thing. There's talent everywhere in the wide receiver room. They're not worried there. The quarterback play is going to be elite year over year. Tennessee's going to have a top 10 offense. That's going to be it. Bryce Young played the game of his life against Tennessee and Nealon last year. They still lost. But that's how Bryce Young plays. Like if it Dylan Raiola could play, play that kind of game, life. and that's not a concern for the big dogs. What the but concern see, that's is where you lose me because nah. because Georgia has everything else. There's not going to be a point where Georgia, if assuming nothing drastic changes, there's not going to be a point where Georgia doesn't have elite players at every single level of their defense. Because like, say what you want about their corners, like in 2022 or 2021 or something. But I mean, Darian Kendrick was very good and Keely Ringo was very good on the other side, but like Eric Stokes was an all American first round pick. Deandre, Deandre Baker was a Thorpe award winner. First round pick De- Tyson Campbell was like the second pick of, of the, of the second round. For sure. Like, what I'm saying is like, it's a produced, wash with the receivers. I'm saying at they produced elite players at every yeah. single level of the defense. Lewis scene was a first round pick. Yeah, for sure. Like, so every single level has been elite. And so, that's just like the accepted, like, yeah, you know, Georgia's going to have since 2019, they've had like a top three scoring defense in college football, like every season. So the only thing that's been a question that's held Georgia back was quarterback play. So if this team is actually going to get elite quarterback, a quarterback and the elite receivers like Jeremiah Smith, and, and he's the number one receiver for 2024. And then the number one receiver for 2025 that's committed to Alabama right now. Like they're both going to be visiting this weekend, the same weekend as Dylan Riola. Like that's the type of thing that's going to like, because you know, there's a prerequisite for what the defense is going to do basically like a, a baseline. So if the offense is also capable of just dropping 50 on you as well, like what, what's it, what are you How are you going to beat Georgia? Like it should terrify well, we get Glenn everyone. out of there. We got one more year before I get to big, big boy job. And thankfully, and you got we'll, Will Muschamp running. Yeah, we're not worried about Will Muschamp. Will Muschamp is maybe the best defensive coordinator in all of college football. We're not. Whoa, 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 whoa. Am I wrong? Whoa. Whoa. Look at this man's track record. He was. That's why he was went from being a DC to the head coach and waiting at Texas to getting the Florida job. Like he wow. was. Wow. Th- that's why Will Muschamp was what he was, and he learned under Saban, just like Kirby, like. This is a take. Are you? I mean, I mean Ryan Walters think, was better last year. Do you think Georgia year. is going to be do go down at all when Glenn Schumann leaves? Like it didn't I think change with Mel Tucker yes. left. I think Glenn it Schumann, didn't change. It yes, didn't change with Dan Lanning left. It's it's not going to change. Like this is Kirby's defense, and Will Muschamp man- also seems like the kind of guy like Bobo. Once he gets that coordinator job, he might just be satisfied with the rest for the rest of his career as the as the DC in Athens. Like hey, I think Georgia's. Yeah, I think oh yeah, for sure. Possible. I think this is it for him. So I think that's the long term plan. So I, I think Georgia's in a in a pretty good spot. Like Schumann, I think Schumann is probably going to pull a Kirby and pretty much just wait wait as long as he can for that like big time SEC job to open up. Like not have to go take a Colorado State or something like Bobo did. Like I think Schumann's just buying his time. Like Mel Tucker got a D, uh, a Power Five job. Dan Lanning got a Power Five job. Like. Glenn Schumann should get the same, but 
I think Georgia should still be fine for the foreseeable future at, at de- on the defensive side of the ball. But what I'm saying, and you like, I understand there's talent in the secondary. What I am saying is there is just as much talent, NFL talent, out wide for Tennessee. Like, and that is not a concern. It's like Tennessee. I don't think that's true. I mean, you look in the NFL, like both of those guys were third round picks this year, right? Mm -hmm. Like maybe that's the difference in Tennessee's offense. It's like Tennessee had an, had an elite offense, but they didn't have an elite, like first round pick quarterback. I mean, Brew McCoy is right now, if he has just the normal season, what you're expecting, he's a first round guy next year. I mean, it's possible for sure. But I mean, we thought that about Jalen Hyatt and no next last year, he came in, there was huge unknowns with Jalen Hyatt. And we thought that about what's Cedric Tillman. Cedric Tillman was a three star. Okay. But he was pretty, people definitely thought he could be a first round pick going into 2022. I mean, he was hurt all of last year. For sure. But I'm saying, I'm saying Tennessee hasn't gotten the elite of the elite players, and maybe that's the only like that's what Alabama's done. Well, like, Alabama's running right that high, that big time up tempo offense with Henry Ruggs, with Devontae Smith, with Calvin Ridley, with Amari Cooper, with Jalen. I mean, Mike Model. Matthews like, and Amari just, Jefferson might just be in this class for Tennessee. Like they're like they're but still. But I'm saying very, that's yeah. the difference, and so that's yeah. like that's I feel like how I would compare Georgia to Tennessee. Like mm. Stetson Bennett. Was, I mean, Jake Fromm was a really highly ranked quarterback too, but it wasn't like elite quarterback play. It was good quarterback play. Stetson Bennett played very well, but that's where you lose me too. Like, Georgia's never going to have a better 2022 than Stetson Bennett. Like, I feel like people didn't even agree that he was a good player. <laughs> like, people still don't agree that this guy's a good player. Like, it's it's so weird. I mean, like he was the, a Heisman finalist, and you look at Saban, right? How many? But a lot of people have? thought he didn't deserve to be. I feel like the more common opinion. I mean, he is probably he wouldn't have made it if Hendon didn't finalist. get hurt. I think Hendon probably gets that spot if he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, I mean he's a fourth round pick. Like the yeah. the ceiling gets way higher than Sets and Bennett. With all this, with all due respect to Sets and Bennett, like we all know that he's not the most talented guy. He played very well, and he obviously scrambles, and his legs are a huge part. But of there will be no game. one who breaks what Stetson did the, over that two year stretch in Georgia history, like in our lifetime. No in one like will have a, a two year run in like a sentimental way. No, just in dominance, like in because twenty twenty one he was. I mean he was a little shaky for like half of the season. Like he was, he was fine, but he wasn't great in 20. I mean, after the SC championship, most people didn't want him to start the Michigan game. I I'm wouldn't not say disagreeing most, with any a of that. good portion of the fan base was Bryce Young you know, didn't win a title at Alabama. The jury Mac was Green. still out. Mac Jones did. There are guys. Mac, too- but I see. I take exception with that. Mac Jones was elite as hell at Alabama. Like he but had look like at who a, has won at Alabama. Winner. And look at some of the he teams. Com- like- he completed like eighty percent of his passes or something. His numbers were insane. Like forty. But what I'm saying, he wasn't Bryce Young. Bryce Young went number one overall. He was clear cut the best quarterback in the country yeah. this past year. Like it's different. It just doesn't mean you can have the guy. It doesn't mean you're going to keep winning. What did Mac Jones go like 14 overall? Yeah. Like 12? Like he's a, first, he's a first rounder. But I'm saying Stetson was a fourth rounder. Like yeah. and some people act like he shouldn't have been drafted at all. So but I what think- I am saying is like, I am not more worried about Georgia with a, an elite quarterback than what I was before. What I am worried about and what f- folks were you all was your worry about Georgia already at like a maximum 100? Like you couldn't be more scared of them? No, because it's like, I mean, it. you saw the path. Like, George, Tennessee just beat Alabama with five stars everywhere on this defense. Like, they can do Georgia it. Georgia was way better than Alabama in 2022. They were. We never saw them play each other, though. 
I would I have mean, loved to. They, they, I think they were a significantly better team. We saw what yeah. George did to LSU, and you saw what I mean. You saw the LSU and Tennessee games; like those are pretty good, like barometers. Like those games were completely different. I'm not disagreeing, but I'm saying if you saw, we, we never saw it. Like I never, we can't say for certain statistically. How those games yeah, of course we can't. But I mean, the way we judge the sport, Georgia was significantly better. I, Alabama wasn't the gold standard last year. No, like you beat the, they lost the two games team by was combined, a big what, time four points. Of course, but LSU also lost like four games and they lost to that team. So I'm just saying like Alabama is typically the gold standard and how you played against them. You're like, well, we did this against Alabama. We can do that against anybody. That, well, that's at typically home, been the case. Like, we'll see. But, like, but now Georgia's better. So it like you saw. Maybe. How, we don't know. I mean, you saw what that offense We knew that sim was, right? Like Carson Beck is still an unknown. Last year in 2020, like it's really hard to just keep hitting over and over again. Like their three peats are just unheard of, right? Like that's just oh, not, sure. we're in uncharted waters here. Like you should bet against Georgia this year because three peats are just, well, like, they're... we see a three peat. And then you know what happens next year? The 12 team playoff where Georgia might have to go uh, SEC title game, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio, of like course, Clemson. But anyone like, will. But that's what I'm saying. So it's like, they're just going to be the most talented most years like that's what we're looking at is georgia's well the 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 12 team playoff yeah that throws a whole nother wrench into it but i'm saying what's unlikely is the three-peat is definitely unlikely but what's most unlikely is building a roster that's as loaded as georgia and not being decimated by the transfer portal guys actually waiting their turn wait two three years to earn their spot and then play like in today's age of college football like that just doesn't happen and so Georgia's just built with just like the most solid foundation of any program right now. It's like that that's the unlikely part, because usually you have to get that Deshaun Watson that maybe elevates what the entire program is, you know, and maybe you're not an maybe you're not elite at every position. Obviously, Clemson was really good. They were a great team. But Deshaun Watson made them better. Like they didn't have the consistent top three, four classes for years and years. It was it was the quarterback that was that X factor, you know, and. Georgia didn't even need the quarterback to elevate them. So now that they potentially could have it, it's like, how do they lose? Like, that's almost how I would feel if I was a, if I was a fan of another college football team. Yeah. Um, we'll see. And but hey, the, but do you know who didn't offer Dylan Raiola? Who's that? The Tennessee Volunteers. Well, that was a questionable decision. I don't know. Nico is already but in the I building. Think, I honestly, I think this could be the, I think, uh, I, I, can't, I don't have the, the tweet right in front of me, but someone went on fine bomb today. Some college football reporter and said this 2024 class could be the highest ranked class in of all time. So and I we think, just did that last year with Bama. And I think Georgia, that's exactly, that's what they're about to do. Like with the state of Georgia alone, I think there's like 15 top 100 players in the state of Georgia and like, Four or five of them are committed to Georgia already, but seven of them are from like Langston Hughes and (laughs) Colquitt County. And it's like at this point, like that's just not the only place Georgia recruits either. Like if honestly through the years, you look at some of the like as much as they love to lock down the state of Georgia, like a lot of the elite of elite players that have come through Georgia weren't from the state. You have Stafford and Aaron Murray, you know, and Todd Gurley. Like there's AJ Green. There's been a lot of no Sean Marino. So you look at Rayola, like Rayola. I'm gonna have to get used to that at some point. So it's um, I you you can't really uh you can't really not remove Georgia from like anybody from getting anybody in this class. Like the number one receiver in the country, who 
people are saying, like, I heard Rusty Mansell say that, like, the opinion on Jeremiah Smith that he's basically the best receiver to come out in the last, like, 10 years. Uh, he's currently committed to Ohio State, of course, but, like, they've, they've compared him to A.J. Green, like, to Julio Jones. Like, so this guy is just super big time. And obviously, George, he's not committed to Georgia or anything, but if they're able to snag a guy like that and Riola, like, it's just it's going to have a huge domino effect on this class, and elite players are going to want to play with it. We I didn't even mention uh, Ryan Wingo, and he's another big time five star. So, it's uh this class is going to be ridiculous. I think like right now they're like numerical score in the twenty four seven like composite ranking. It's it's equivalent to what was the sixteenth ranked class in the twenty twenty three class, and that's with twelve commits, like seven eight months till signing day. Like it's it's going to be a stupid class that they're going to put together. Like they could, they could end up with 10, 15, like top 50 players, honestly. Who cares? We're in the blue chip ratio. (laughs) That's all we care about. Um, But we'll see. We'll see good things ahead. Uh, You're not going to believe this folks. The two time defending national champions are in good shape uh, in the college football landscape. It's Uh, just, it is interesting to hear you say that like, we're never going to have a better season. A quarterback's never going to have a better season than Stetson in 2022. That's what blows my mind. I think it just continues. And like Saban, he had the two and then he had the blip and then he had that third one and then he had uh, some time away. And then you just had what? They had Uh, a blip where they go like two seasons without winning a national championship. They won what? Oh, nine. Uh, and then they had 11 just, it was 12, 2006 though wasn't it wasn't there a 15, gap from 2006 to 2009 no he wasn't 2007 was his first year so i'm saying he was third full season he he won yeah. a championship then one one two years later went back to back then yeah oh nine 11 12 15, and then nothing until 17. 15 but there was a two-year gap and then a three-year gap what I'm saying is like, <laughs> yeah, winning a national championship. But that's like what I'm saying. Like, so when people years. are like, George is going to keep running roughshod. That's what I'm saying. This is like, it's just probably not like they're going to be the most. What they have built is this sustainability to be the best team each and every year for the next couple of years. Like at the bare minimum is they're going to be the most talented team on any given Saturday for the next couple of years. But what that does not mean is that they are just going to keep running roughshod over the the over the college football landscape especially as we see more and more of the power two come into focus which is there's going to be a lot of top tier talent at a very select number of schools and there's just going to be they're going to get upset like there's going to be times where they do and they're going to miss on some of these quarterbacks they're like one of these quarterbacks is going to be bad and they're going to have to make a change here it's not like they're just going to keep going and going and going like it's going to happen last time alabama had a bad quarterback though i mean blake sims wasn't good we're going back nine years that's what we got blake sims i think led the sec in touchdowns too. but he like, was you gotta go i mean there is there have been some times John I, I feel like they basically had good aj mccarron wasn't good aj mccarron wasn't good he was fine he was over he was the running back like he, he should was, have been a he, he should have been a heisman good. finalist but aj mccarron was very good like Super efficient. He's, He's exactly what they needed. I'm just saying, like Alabama, when you when you're surrounded with a roster like that, which Georgia might be, now, the Georgia quarterback might be now. Like I, th- I think you're. Uh, <laughs> there's no reason why you can't just have good quarterback play year after year. Like you look, you had to look at what had to happen for 2020 for the quarterback play to go bad. Like Jake Fromm, un- like kind of 
unexpectedly left early. Jamie Newman transfers and decides not to play. Like Dwan Mathis is just weird things happen in this sport, man. Like you had to go like four deep at quarterback. I'm just saying that kind of like stuff there's a real chance Dylan Raiola never plays for Georgia. There is a real, real chance he never plays. Of course, but don't you think the the most likely scenario of Dylan Raiola not playing is because Georgia's getting really good quarterback play from somebody else? Because it's gonna Gunner, be Gunner. I don't know why a- we do this to ourselves. It's gonna be the four star himself, Mike Bobo's. Uh, but it's guy, like who Gunner cares? Stock. I, I yeah. don't care if Dylan Raiola never plays a down for Georgia. If 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 Gunner Stockton is like a two time All American or something or All Conference mm. quarterback, like. All that any Georgia fan wants is to have good quarterback. Play. No, good, no, good, they do not. Play at every Georgia fans position. were upset the whole Jake Fromm run. Georgia fans wanted Justin Fields and were upset about how that was handled for years, Matt Green. And they were upset with how JT Daniels well, was handled for years. Georgia fans would absolutely prefer and would be upset if the five-star quarterback stuff still does not pan out. Because they get excited. They want to see Georgia fans no. were upset about JT and they the, were upset the about Justin that were Fields. Up, upset about the quarterback play in 2018 are just dumb. Like Jake Fromm was one of the best quarterbacks in college. But football I'm not, that, that can be true. Like but would you not say there was a significant portion of the fan base that was upset about it? Well, they wanted to see the shiny new toy of Justin yeah. Fields, but I'm saying 2018, and especially in the biggest games like versus Alabama, like Jake Fromm was great. So 2019, when the offense was bad and Justin Fields is over here, a Heisman finalist. Yeah, you're pissed because you're mm. not getting good quarterback play that year. But if you're if you have a if you have great quarterback play, like you don't care of what guys going where. Like you're you just have you're just worried about. You used to be elite, so. elite where they're not looking over their shoulders. Where fans are like, yeah, Gunner's fine, but like we have Dylan, we have the we have the Mustang still just sitting there. What are we? For what sure, are we doing? But if Riola, if Gunner Stockton is outplaying Riola, like that's the detail that no one focuses on. Like, yeah. then he's outplaying him. Then he's probably balling out. So, like Tennessee fans are gonna lose their mind if Jake Merklinger is like has to come in because Nico gets hurt next year or something, and Jake, the four star uh, Savannah kid, is like solid in Heupel's and offense, and you're crazy. like, we can't go like, back. Hey, like, we can't think go back about to like yeah. the Seahawks when they signed Matt Flynn. Like they gave him a bunch of money and then drafted Russell Wilson in like the third round and then Matt Flynn lost the lost the job in, in training camp. Mm. Were Seahawks fans upset? Like, oh, the quarterback we paid all the money to yes, isn't they were. playing. Not when they're getting good quarterback play. You saw but they Russell were upset Wilson about play. how they spent the money and they were like, what are we doing? Like there was a, they were, like they were upset. And like, you that's know, fair. Georgia NFL's fans will be upset. There's salary yeah. cap issues, but so that's, that's a bad example. But you yeah. know what I mean? The, the end result, but also in that situation it didn't matter. It's like, well, just pretend you're paying this money to Russell Wilson and it's <laughs> worth it. Right. So you're getting that, you're getting that uh, amount of money's worth of quarterback play. But, but it that, wouldn't bother you at all like, if, if you don't Puglisi, have a five star that breaks through, like that breaks no, through. No, hell no. All I want is Georgia to have a good quarterback. Like that's, mm. and it's not like I just want Georgia to have a game manager quarterback. Like I want Georgia to have the best quarterback play possible. And if we're having a guy who's putting up all SEC type numbers, then that's all. That's all that I want as a fan of that team. If Ryan Puglisi mm. comes in and is just flat out better than Riola from day one. Like that, I will lose absolutely no sleep over that. Mm. Like, like I don't, I don't understand why anyone would. Interesting. Like, would you, would you, like, why? I don't know why people are so obsessed with the star rating. I think that's, I think what you're saying is why people just never accepted that Stetson Bennett was a good quarterback, as the the high school star rating. It's like it, it only matters so much. What matter? What really matters is what's on the field. Like JT Daniels was a five star. Stetson Bennett wasn't. 
And I watched both of them play a good number of snaps at Georgia. And Stetson Bennett was better, significantly better than JT Daniels was. Like, so the high school ranking just doesn't matter. And, and at the end of the day, you just you just want your team to have a, a good quarterback. I just don't think that's how fans' brains work. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, if if it's another like like Jacob Easton, Jake Fromm situation, yeah. like. And like I, it's just crazy to me that anyone thinks that looks at that scenario as like a what if. Like Justin Fields, I'm with you. Like, yeah, what what That's could Georgia three with five Justin star Fields? what ifs in the Kirby era that have all not worked out? But Jacob Eason, but how does that not work out? Like Jake Fromm was better than Jacob Eason. Like okay, I think it's because of the untapped potential, where it's like there's nothing more fun than a five star. Like the Bryce Youngs also, of the world, those also are fun. rivals had Fromm as a five star. Too. Oh, here we so go. So like, don't forget that. Like he was like. Regardless of what the ranking was, mm. Fromm was like the 30th, 40th ranked player coming out of high school. He was super big time. So he panned out and Jacob Eason didn't. Like you can only have one quarterback. Mm. And and honestly, Jake Fromm was always was better at every level than Jacob Eason. Like he he when he went to Washington, like Jacob Eason was still better than than Eason was in Washington. He just had more pro style tools or whatever and was drafted at like what a couple picks higher, but he's still in the league though. He's still getting them checks. Yeah, but he's the, the little bit he's played, he's been terrible. So it's like mm. the little bit Fromm has played, he's looked terrible. So it's not like Eason has ever at any point proven to be a better player than Jake Fromm. Like, just well, it's not, it's just not like Hypel, where Hypel identifies Jordan Love at Utah State, identifies Drew Locke at Mizzou, Sam Bradford at Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel at UCF, um, Nico Iamaliava at Tennessee, where you just know the five star is going to work out with your coach. But then but you have other situations that? where you're like, man, I get the underdog story is cool, but like, I do think they're going to be Georgia fans. That Jacob Fromm was not an underdog, though. He was seen he as was that, though. He was committed to Alabama. And then I'm not disagreeing, but the he narrative was, was he was a game manager. In Georgia's fans' minds forever, he will be looked at as like a Hudson Mason type. 1000% no, forever. So much, that, that's, a, that's an ignorant Georgia fan. I'm not disagreeing, but I'm so saying if you asked, if we went to Athens right now and we just pulled some Georgia fans. Would you not think that that would be the more common answer if we were to ask them about how they remember Jake Fromm as a quarterback? I mean, if you're saying, is he closer to Hudson Mason or Matthew Stafford? Yes. Then yeah, maybe he's closer. Honestly, he was better. He's better at Georgia than Stafford was. Like Jake Fromm I'm not is disagreeing, Matt Green. What I am saying Wait, is fans that might don't be want true, that. But, but that doesn't mean that that's accurate just because some man on the street people think it is. Like th those are some of the worst answers ever. Haven't you ever seen Jay Leno? It's going to be Twitter.com for the next couple of years. Like that's what I'm saying. Like, but that's, that's what, what that for. doesn't matter. Like JT Daniels. So you think there's any regret at all? It's like, ugh, you know, Georgia 2021. Fans, yes. I wish JT Daniels would have would have played more snaps at Georgia that's in 2021. Yes, because Georgia fans Hell were upset no. about the injury like, questions. You're like us two natties. You're not you're not losing one second of sleep over what there's JT a what if of like. Man, guys. the best version of JT was fun. He was huge. He was the, and the best South version of Stetson wasn't fun. Not in 2021. But I'm and you're you're making my point, my previous point for me that mm. the Georgia's quarterback play can get a lot higher than Stetson because pe yeah. most people didn't even think he was that good in 2021. But I think in 2022, and now it's he how do they replace guy. him? So, but JT Daniels was not as good as Stetson, regardless. Like he he like he had some good games, like the Clemson game he Georgia's often scored three points like yeah he didn't we didn't really do any he didn't really do it he was also hurt all the time like yeah whatever was going on so 
Stetson Bennett, like, what he I'm was saying a is fans want the five stars. They JT want the Daniel. superstar. Like, there's nothing better than having the franchise superstar quarterback that can do it all, that can save you, that can bail you out, that you just feel like well, Georgia fans it makes also sport, hated it makes on Matthew Stafford. Fun. Georgia also fans also hated on Matthew Stafford. No, Georgia fans oh, love Matthew Stafford. No, hundred percent. They hated on Murray way more than Stafford. Well, they did exactly. So that shows you everything you need to know about Georgia fans' perception on the quarterback. Those are like mm. you named like the three best quarterbacks you've ever had, and honestly, four if you count in Stetson in there too. Like, and the jury was basically out on all of them. <laughs> like, and fans weren't sold on like any of them until their last year on campus. And the 2008 like was just such a the preseason number one, and it was such a uh, you know disappointing year that like Stafford gets like thrown in there like, oh he's got the pro tools but he wasn't like a winner type of type of thing like I, I i promise you there was plenty of georgia fans that just weren't like huge stafford fans like i never mm. understood it like because i was just i was the biggest stafford fan and he just obviously he's the real deal he's played like 15 years in the nfl or however long he's been in um but yeah so so that might not be the best barometer what some georgia fans would say on the street because jake Fromm was real i don't know how we got, even got on jake Fromm, but it's just that that whole and that's the, if that's the last narrative that's there is to be put to bed by Kirby Smart, then then so be it. And for that reason alone, I want Riola to work out and be a Heisman, fucking win the damn Heisman, and be a first round pick. And then so there's just literally nothing else anyone can say to question anything about Kirby Smart because that's the last one left. But I think it's something fans everywhere want. They just love the Heisman superstar quarterback. It's just this sport is so it revolves around elite quarterback play so much, and there's so much enjoyment about having that elite top ten quarterback and having the do it all type of dude that you feel like you're never out of any game, and you just feel like you're watching you're just watching something special week in week out, and you're watching you're like my team's got a friend like that's the reason the NFL one of the major reasons the NFL kicks the crap out of everybody is that when you have your franchise guy, like Bengals fans are just, they waited for so long, Patrick Mahomes and Casey, knowing you have this dude for the next 10 years, just keeping you in every game, winning Super Bowl to Super Bowl. Like when you have that franchise quarterback in today's world, like there's just nothing better. There's nothing better as a sports fan than your team having the franchise superstar guy. But does his so high school winning without the franchise guy winning without like the winning with Alex Smith doesn't feel as sweet as winning with Patrick Mahomes? It just doesn't. See, but you're I feel like you're misconfusing my point to think that I don't want elite quarterback play. Like mm-hmm. I want the elite quarterback play. I'm just saying I don't care what his star rating is coming out of high school. And if and if you're getting that, like, th- and that's why Ohio State fans aren't isn't aren't ridiculed for <clears throat> Joe Burrow going to LL to excuse me going to LSU because you had Dwayne Haskins run for like 50 touchdowns. Like, yeah, he wasn't as good as Joe Burrow, but you were getting elite quarterback play. He, the quarterback wasn't the reason Ohio state didn't win a national championship with Dwayne Haskins. Like it was, you know, the other stuff not being as good. So I think that's the point. Like, obviously Mm -hmm. if if the quarterback's just going to be average to good, then yeah, I'm going to be disappointed that a five-star went somewhere else and, and did well. I think that's why that's what the whole Justin Fields experience was for Georgia fans. But the the freshman year when he and Fromm were on campus together, like there was at no point really in the season could you be like, yeah, Fields should be playing. Like Fromm was playing great. 
Switching gears here a little bit. We're not going to do the Big Ten uh, season, uh, the Big Ten over-unders this week. We're going to save it for next week because we went long here with Georgia, Tennessee. There was a lot to talk about here at Dylan Rayola, but I do have a couple other questions for you, Matt Green. Ross Dellinger, great SI.com reporter. He dropped this, and uh, he's just a must-read, folks, during realignment and everything else that's going on here in the sport. But one thing he wrote uh, this week, quote, the Pac-12, or one thing is certain, colon, the Pac-12 plans to add, expand by adding San Diego State and maybe SMU coinciding with it, its completion of a new TV deal. Matt Green, I ask you, does that move the needle for you? Is that a sneaky good ad bringing in the Dallas market and SMU, who's got a pretty pretty strong collective in the group of five um, from what I've read and seen and heard is that SMU's got a good thing cooking, obviously, in the state of Texas and a lot of folks care about football, but putting them out west could be fun and then san diego state who's been a top 25 power year over year obviously not two programs with the same cachet uh goes without saying as ucla and usc but is that just come off to you as like this is not going to last and the pac-12 is just fighting for its life or do you think that's sustainable to keep this whole thing together and just continue on business as usual with smu and san diego state replacing the two where, where do, do you I, do i think that smu and san diego state are enough to to maintain their power five status is mm. that the question no mm. no i don't uh there's no i think they did something like add boise state or like a byu i don't know but um obviously byu is going to the big 12 but yeah, I mean, not even though obviously those aren't going to save the conference either, losing USC and UCLA. Um, you know what things too is I wish they kept them. And like, if you had just done those ads with USC and UCLA, like I would have loved these two teams in in the Pac-12. They would have made a lot of sense. That would have I been mean, fun. SMU. I wouldn't. I don't think there's any any world universe that I get excited about SMU being in the in the Pac-12, like a, a TCU or something, like one of the mm. actual like. Like kind of how Texas A&M, it felt like that was the way they were sticking the middle finger to Texas was like, Mm. we're going to go join the SEC. Like you do your own thing in the Big 12 because I feel like all the Texas schools just kind of feel a certain way about Texas, you know? Mm. So if like a Texas Tech or a TCU or a Baylor went to the Pac-12, like I think that would do way more than SMU. Like that's, what what is that going to do? You know, like Houston is back. Yeah, Houston would even do more than SMU. Yeah, I don't know. It's just my gut tells me this is not going to end well for the Pac-12. And like when this is like the this is the backup plan, San Diego State and SMU, it just feels inevitable that they're not going to make it. It, Yeah, it definitely feels inevitable that I I feel like the Big 12 with with their additions coming this year, it feels like they have a fighter's chance because they brought in like four kind of wild cards that are like, these are some pretty respectable programs like coming up to the power five, like, and then obviously their potential to maybe expand. Like, Cause I feel like more than SMU or Texas schools fitting into the PAC 12, like some of those mountain, the, the Utah, Colorado, obviously Colorado fits in the big 12. They, they were already there. Uh, Arizona, Arizona state, like those seem like they could naturally merge in uh, with the, uh, with the big 12 teams. But yeah, I feel like the future is honestly, some sort of merger of the Mountain West and whatever's left in the Pac-12, like maybe some teams like Oregon and I don't know Stanford or or Oregon and Washington or something get poached by one of the the big conferences by the ACC or some crazy stuff like that, and then 
you know, the Oregon States, Washington States of the world get get grouped in there with Fresno and, and Colorado State, and they just kind of they kind of form a, a best of the rest out west. No pun, no no rhyme intended. I mean, that's what I would do. I think I talked about in this podcast is like the Pac-12 and the ACC were smart, and you're seeing what's happening with the ACC meetings this week with uh, what Florida State and Clemson are up to in the ACC seven here, where there is clearly a disconnect um and what they want to do and it looks like what we're headed at the very least is uh the whole equal revenue sharing is probably out the window uh in the acc uh sooner rather than later uh to get clemson and florida state and miami more more of the pot there um but the acc and the the pac-12 just like with geography doesn't matter anymore macarine and with these two programs like conferences both kind of fighting for their life and the big 12 kind of establishing themselves and kind of getting their footing. They're like, we're just going to be the best basketball conference. And they're going to add Gonzaga probably in the big 12. And like they're, they hired an NBA guy, right? Your mark. Like they're going full on basketball. Like we're going to be the premier basketball conference. They they're fine. They just I become think. like a, uh, a power five version of like conference USA. Basically. Yeah. I, Pac-12 and ACC should expand or should collaborate. Like that should be the goal. Like we had that, remember whatever it was, that loyalty thing we saw last year with uh, the Big Ten, the ACC or whatever um, with realignment that didn't didn't last and stand the test of time. But like the Pac-12 and the ACC. The Alliance? Yeah, that's what what it was. was. The Alliance, yeah. Like the Pac-12 and the ACC combining makes a lot of sense to me. Just them creating their own super conference. It doesn't matter. And then you have some of those big names and you could do two divisions where you don't have to even play each other and do that crazy travel uh, throughout the regular season. And then they just meet up in the conference championship game, that sort of thing. Like that is something that makes a lot of sense to me. Like for these TV markets, you get both. And it I, makes, I just, it makes some sense other than the fact that it makes no sense at all. But for what we're trying to do in this, in this universe, I guess it makes sense now. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be a crazy summer, and I think we're going to have some more big-time moves uh, happening based on reading the tea leaves here is that there's more realignment coming, and I think it, it happens before the start of next year's season. Um, last so, thing here. Yeah. I so wanna, who are the yeah. who are those the seven in, in the ACC? Uh, uh, NC State. Seven? Yeah, it was Miss, uh, it was UNC, Florida State, Clemson, um, Miami, Miami, Virginia, and Virginia, Virginia Tech. Tech. Yeah, that was the seven, the ACC seven. See, I, I think with the SEC going to 16, it, it just feels like a nice solid number that I just don't know what the SEC is going to do. Like, obviously, they don't need to add right now, they definitely don't, but I don't know. Some of the if, if they're if the ACC, if any of these schools start to dismantle, I I could see NC State doing something like AM, you know, like mm. tired of being the second school in the state and joining the SEC or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. It's uh it's 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 just craziness. But I I came up with that that name of the the new Pac twelve off the top of my head. And I think I think we should, you know, we should hashtag that or something. We should really get that trending. But best of the rest out west. I think we should uh <laughs> As soon as that happens, that's what we're calling the comp. We should go ahead and buy the domain name right now. That's a really long hashtag. Hashtag best of the wet, best of the rest out west. There you go. But yeah, mm. that's um, you know, we'll just save that one. That's a doomsday one. 
So that's 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 if the Pac-12 just goes ahead and gets poached and like just destroyed as a conference. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but um, it's not looking good without UCLA and USC. Last thing here, Matt Green. Uh, we had this on the kind of the evergreen that's been sitting here for a little bit, and I wanted to ask you: Auburn and A and M both finished five and seven last year, bottom of the SEC West. Really weird to see Auburn down there and A and M. A lot of talent there. A lot of talent back this year. I don't think both are going to be five and seven again this year. I think one of the two have a really good season in the SEC. Who is more likely to contend and be in the thick of things getting to Atlanta come late November based on what you've seen, what the roster is looking like, what the schedule is looking like? Who is your gut telling you is more likely to have a strong bounce back, come back to prominence, like realistic top 10 team next year of the two? Because I think one of the two will be. If you're talking like, actually being a top 10 team i think it's no question texas a&m like hmm. we just know the way they've recruited like recruiting rankings aren't everything like sometimes the talent just doesn't pan out but like auburn has just been a dysfunctional program in recent years like it's hard like as good as a coach as i think hugh freeze is like i don't know if he can just i think you're you're doing absolute magic if you come in and, and make this make this team finish top 10 here in 2023, right? Are we just saying the first one to do this, it or like this year? This year? Yeah. Like with Bobby Petrino coming in, like we all love to laugh about like the combination of Petrino and Jimbo, but like, I feel like it's kind of like must champ kind of the, the reputation he developed as a head coach. Obviously he wasn't nearly as disgraced as like Petrino was, but he was really kind of poked fun at like, all his tirades and, and sideline antics and everything and not doing well at two different sec jobs, but you forget like this guy's a really a damn good assistant coach. And so that's what Bobby Petrino is like, this guy's one of the best offensive minds in all of football, like pro or college. Like he's proven to be an elite offensive coach everywhere. He's gone. A and M's got some good talent on that roster. Like, so it's, it's not like he's, uh, you know, struggling for a, a good, you know, we, we definitely need to see better quarterback play uh, in 2023, but like they got playmakers. Like we've just, we've seen how they recruit. So I feel like it's kind of like Brian Kelly with, you know, all his, his accent and all the, the stuff making headlines last year in the off season. And people forgot like, yeah, Brian Kelly's a damn good football coach. Like the Petrino and Jimbo thing feels like toxic and like funny, but it would it shock you if a and m just had a really good off if bobby petrino was coaching a really good offense i mean connor wegman i think uh showed enough and you have evan stewart back noah thomas moose muhammad is a really good player Aeneas smith is back like there's yeah. a lot of talent in that wide receiver room and then donovan green at tight end like we'll see what amari daniels is uh ruben owens a uh, highly touted freshman who was uh originally a big time Louisville commit but transferred after um Satterfield left, but I uh I'm curious to see what they look like. They get Auburn at home in week four, Matt Green. And that is gonna be interesting because the schedules are a little bit different. At Miami, early for AM is gonna be huge. That's a huge game for both schools. Like Miami cannot have the kind of season they had last year with Cristobal. Like as well as he's recruiting and everything else, like you cannot have what's what's a tougher sorry to cut you off what was a tougher game because auburn's got at cal the same week <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna say at miami's a little bit i would tough. hope miami's better but i don't even know not nah, cal's pretty bad 
I'm, I'm, Auburn's going to beat Cal. Miami is pretty bad, too. I mean, there's a but chance I, I, both I Auburn and A&M are undefeated for that September 23rd game. I wonder if that's a, uh, an ABC. Uh, I should uh, ABC. No, not three, yet. Not yet. Or not right. yet. Uh, it's still CBS. CBS, 330, excuse me. Um, 330 game. That might be it. But you get Georgia at home if you're Auburn. Still don't think you're going to win, but I think that might be a little bit more interesting if you freeze now. You go to LSU. That's tough. But you get LSU after a bye, like on the road. Auburn LSU is always frisky. It, it's always frisky. I don't think I that's think they a, haven't a, won an LS at LSU and since like '99 or something like that's that. That's fair, <laughs> but it will be close. So maybe you lose two there. You lose two straight. Whatever. Ole Miss at home, Mississippi State at home, at Vandy, at Arkansas, New Mexico State at home, and then you get Bama at home at the end. That looks like worst case scenario for that schedule to me. Looks like eight and four. You go to what? The, yeah, I think that's eight and four. I only see worst case scenario eight and four for Auburn. I eight am taking four? Auburn as more likely to have the better season than AM. Because if you go to AM, wow. At Miami, they could be a top 10 team this year. At Arkansas. You really think Miami could be a top 10 team this year? They have the talent, yeah. They could. I don't know. I'm jury still out for me on Miami. They could be five and seven and be a CFP contender. Like Miami yeah. can be extremely all over the place. You could tell me either, and I believe you. At Tennessee and Bama in back-to-back weeks, like that is a brutal back-to-back for A and M. Like that is that's a lot. And you have but Arkansas on the right before that. That's quote unquote easier than at LSU and Georgia in back-to-back weeks. Like I, I think don't most think so. people. I think the preseason predictions are going to have george and lsu winning the east and the west what i'm year. saying is like type of style too like neilan's going to be electric for a and um for that one and you're probably playing the best offense you'll play in the regular season in that one and then you play the best defense you're probably going to play the week before in bama so you're gonna get the physical bama defense and then the just pace and space and just score all out like if the jimbo offense we saw last year is even close to what we see this year. And they come into kneeling with that. Like it's going to be, it's going to be rough. What that looks like after with South Carolina at home, but you got to go. I think that's why Petrino's there. You got to go. And then you finish at LSU. Like I just see seven and five at this. Like, I think seven and five is very realistic for this A&M team. I think Auburn, you can tell me nine and three, eight and four, and it wouldn't surprise me. Wow. You're, you are drunk on some Hugh Freeze right now. I have, uh, I am a big believer in that year one, like offensive bump where I just think the blue chippers are going to be there. They should have good quarterback play. Do you think Auburn has blue chippers on, on their offense? Yeah, I think Auburn's, Auburn's going to have some dudes. Tank Bigsby's gone. I think that was their best player. I don't. I do not see the talent on Auburn at all to be able to go nine and three, eight and four. Like I think the nice biggest schedule. difference. They both went five and seven, and Auburn, you went five and seven. You probably didn't blink. You're mm-hmm. like Auburn five and seven. Yeah, seems about right. A and M went five and seven, and the the world was ending. It was it was just an absolute catastrophe. So just. The, the the expectations where these two programs are right now is just completely different. Like I don't, A and M. I think that Auburn is defense is going to be really good. And Philip Montgomery is a good offensive mind coming in there from Tulsa. He brings in his left tackle. We'll see what Dylan Wade looks like. They have some talent at running back, like Jeremiah Cobb. I liked a lot as a true freshman uh, coming in there. So Tennessee was on him for a while. They have they. It's Auburn. They're going to have great core, uh, running back play. That's just what they do. But I just think there's going to be a bump. Like. 
offense, there's it's always a bump for offense. There, like if you're telling me to bet on Hugh Freeze or Jimbo Fisher in the year 2023, I'm betting on Hugh Freeze every single time. I think I think you're forgetting Bobby Petrino, man. I don't I, believe. I, I don't know if Bobby Petrino is going to have full control of this offense. We still don't know, Matt Green. No, that's fair, but you, I just don't think you can differentiate the schedule between two SEC West teams, really. It's mm-hmm. like, I think, you know, Auburn's getting Georgia from the East. I think that's more difficult than getting Tennessee, but, you know, they're both playing at LSU. But Tennessee's they're on the road. Georgia's at home. at home. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just saying, like, the, the at Miami and at Cal, like, that's basically the difference in the schedule. Like, because I think Georgia's a tougher game than Tennessee, but whatever, you can say it's a wash, like in terms of just it's a difficult schedule. So, like, just the at Miami, I think, is the only thing that makes their schedule tougher. And it's like, we don't even know if Miami is going to be go to a bowl game. Like, I, I just, I, we need to see a significant improvement. Like, two brand new coordinators after year one. Like, Cristobal is, I feel like, as a head coach, like, I feel like the jury's still out on how good Cristobal really is. So, I don't know. That's obviously, it's not all about Miami, but. I just think uh, I think A and M just has way more talent. Like we we listed all the skilled players that are on this A and M offense. Like Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher. Like I think they're gonna get those guys. And if nothing else, like obviously it, it's Jimbo's offense, but he's not an idiot. Like he might be stubborn and have his his way of doing things, but like this man knows what's on the line, and he knows that the offense has to be a hell of a lot better than it was last year. So I uh, I just I think Texas A and M. I, I'm probably not betting on either of them, to be honest, but I would be absolute shocked. Like I would bet, I would bet serious money against Auburn finishing in the top 10. But but if you told me like, you know, guarantee AM won't finish top 10, I'd be like, you know, they have recruited well. I wouldn't guarantee that. I I think Texas AM just has a significantly higher ceiling in uh in 2023. That's fair. I'm still betting on the Hugh Freeze top 10 offense possibility versus a&M like I just haven't seen it yet I haven't seen the Hugh Freeze drop and I'm a believer in these offenses that just translate anywhere and he's won in the SEC before he's gonna have control I like the Philip Montgomery hire I like his staff I think the competition with Ashford Holton and Peyton Thorne will play itself out they'll figure it out I think this at worst is a top 20 offense in the country. And I think that just, that just matters. Like you saw the bump right yeah. away with Tennessee with Hypel. You saw it with Lane Kiffin at Old Miss. It happens faster than you think. And I just, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. But it's interesting that you apply that logic to Auburn, but not to Texas A&M because Bobby Petrino, like it's. If he was the head coach, I might give it to him. If Bobby Petrino was the head coach, I might do it. I'm just saying, don't forget about those Arkansas, those uh, I'm not, Ryan Bobby Mallett is a great offensive mind. I am not convinced he is going to have full control of this offense to do what he wants to do. I don't know. I don't think um, I don't think someone with the ego of Bobby Petrino is is taking that job without without being able to run his offense. I don't know. It's just not, like it's, it's not like he, beggars can't be choosers, man. He was going to uh, no, UNLV before it. that. Think about what people he was said. At Missouri like, State last but, year. But think about what people said about Kirby Smart and like, you know, is he going to let Todd Munkin run the offense? Like just these narratives out there that exist. Like Jimbo Fisher brought in a big time dude like Bobby Petrino because he wants him to elevate the offense. Like I think uh, I think A&M could definitely be a sleeper. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Matt Green, that was fun. 
that was fun. That was a good riveting discussion to talk all things Georgia recruiting for the only time on this very program. So I hope you had fun. That will be it. Tossing oh, it trust out. Trust me, it won't be the last time. This 2024 class, <laughs> once it's once the dominoes start falling, we'll we'll definitely give some updates on on why Riolo is that important why he's an absolute game changer for georgia it's not just same old same old it's uh, i just need mike matthews to, to end up i need matthews to end up and i need Jaden riddell to end up at tennessee that's my main thing i need Jaden riddell to, to end up at, at ut <clears throat> matthews definitely does not seem like he's gonna end up at georgia but um Wingo that doesn't mean they like could still land spot. a couple five stars <laughs> at, at the same position so nah. i don't know we'll see what we'll see what happens all right. Well, for that guy down there in Dekele, Georgia, Matt Green, for myself up here in Knoxville, Tennessee, that is all we've got. And we'll be back next Wednesday. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 